This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Episode 30 of the Four Star Spurs podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week, we have Tommy. What's up? Lucas. Hello, hello. John. Lovely to be with you, as always. And uh, Cincinnati Sam, we're going to say, or the Cincinnati kid, are we going with? We'll go with the Cincinnati kid. How's everybody doing today? <laughs> good, good to have everybody here. Even though the topic uh, topics today might not be as uh, positive, it's it's good to spend time with you guys um, and talk about it regardless. Um, so I wanted to break the ice today with just a quick conversation about international break. So um, I know, Lucas, you're not an international break guy. <laughs> Did anybody watch anything over this this break? Yeah, I watched a couple of the England games. Uh, I I caught one of the England games. Um, what did you think, John? Well, I thought the England Poland game was quite good. Some of the others were worthless, but um, <laughs> yeah, I was catching a few. I you know I watched a little bit of the Scotland game and whatever. I mean, when it comes down to how I feel about international breaks, I hate them. Um, I think there's there's a as well as the fact I'm sitting around with my thumb up my ass with nothing to do because I can't. If I can't watch football, then there's nothing much that I'm doing. Um, I just, I, I know that why they have to do it, and I understand it. I just don't like it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you that, and and this is a particular case where it seemed like a lot of Spurs players um, did have to play a lot of minutes. We have the Arias of the world who did a lot in the African Cup of Nations. Uh, we, we had Toby play a couple matches for Belgium. Uh, uh, Tommy? Yeah, actually, well, since I didn't have a lot to do besides watch Formula One and MotoGP, uh, during the week, week I did watch Sweden. Um, they won all their games, so, I mean, it's relevant to us, but uh, politics aside, uh, Zlatan did come back. So he looked pretty good. So I'm pleased with that, uh, at least with the playing aspect. And I didn't actually know this, but the Euro U21s is happening right now. Um, John may bring this up in his transfer update, but uh, Tanganga was in the squad. I, I only saw last game against Croatia. He did start, skip started. Yep. Uh, and Sessignan was in the squad as well. but Yeah, he played a few minutes on a couple of the games. But uh, they were last in their group. But they did beat Croatia the last game. But, you know, I didn't I didn't really hear any – or I mostly had it on background. But it was – from what I heard on the background, nothing too spectacular. So, but aside from that, Sweden I'm okay with. Uh, and they're second in their group. So – with a game in hand, so I am. In terms of that, I'm pleased for the World Cup qualifying. Yeah, yeah. Well, for me, like I, I'm, I'm with you guys. I know Lucas, you hate, uh, hate uh, international play. Um, 
my biggest concern is how many minutes our players are logging when they really need a rest. And, uh, and I think that was a it wasn't the primary contributor to what happened to us this Sunday uh, against Newcastle, but I think it was certainly a contributor to it who was necessarily available due to um, how, how many minutes they'd already logged. Um, and, and, uh, and just wear and tear as a consideration when, when they were, when Jose was picking the squad, but, uh, to, to roll into this Newcastle match. Um, so that, I think we're going to start the conversation by talking about the squad. So this was essentially the exact same lineup as, as we played, uh, uh, right before the, uh, before the break. And that, that had worked out for us. Um, I think most people looking at it were like, well, okay, we're going to, this worked, we're going to go with it. But I think there was some question about if Sun's available, why is uh, Vinicius starting? Um, But I have to think that has to do with, had to do with fitness, that he wasn't ready to do a full 90 minutes. Um, But we we had Vinicius in there. Um, It took uh, another situation, and this is a classic you, Lucas. Uh, uh, we, We had to go down a goal to wake up. Um, and then all of a sudden we found the way to score goals real easy for a few minutes. And then, and then we started to sit back again once we had the lead again. Um, and I know Jose says that's not the plan, but it certainly feels like the plan whenever we watch it happening over and over and over again. Uh, but lo- what are your thoughts on this, guys, uh, rather than me just rambling? Uh, Lucas? Um, <clears throat> kind of what you're saying there, it's about – it looked like it was in stages. Uh, you had – that first bit of the game, we actually looked like we were on top. We had a we had a couple of different opportunities in like ten minute stretches. It looked like we came out strong, uh, but then there's that that hit. We always hit that little window. It seems where we just kind of mentally turn off, and you get you get like out of nowhere. It seems like Newcastle can just easily get a quick break off a Sanchez mistake or a misplaced ball or one of our midfielders losing the ball and all of a sudden 10 minutes of good playing football all of a sudden turns into a chance for them. Yeah. That's and we've, we've seen that a hundred times this year. Yeah, definitely. John? Yeah, I don't think, you know, I don't think they play all that badly. And quite honestly, I was just stunned when we, when we drew. Um, I know we went one down early, but then we've done that before and come back and we came back from that and we looked good and, we seem to be controlling the ball, and I wasn't really all that concerned. And then they just get a break, and, you know, a breakaway, and our defenders forget how to defend. And, you know, it's to all. I thought it was appalling. Um, you know, I purposely didn't put myself on the, on the podcast last week because I was, so, I was so upset with how they played that I didn't think I'd have anything constructive to say. And when we were winning 2-1 and it looked like we were going to win it, going to win 2-1, I thought, great, I'm on the podcast Monday. We can talk about this. We're back. Um, life is good. And then we screwed up again. Uh, drives me nuts. You well, know, it- I've, I've seen bad Tottenham teams over the years. And I've seen teams without good players in that have played in a mediocre way and have had a mediocre... A result at the end of the year, finished mid-table, and I've seen those teams, and they weren't very good. They weren't um, they weren't teams that you could look at and say, well, now this is going to be a competing team. 
But this year, uh, it's not. That's not the case. We look at the players. Everybody's saying the players. We look at the players individually, and I don't have an argument with uh, with any of them. But you put them on the field, and something isn't working. Yeah. Well, to your point, John, like I agree that the play didn't, especially the first half, didn't look all that bad, except for uh, just allowing them the, the room to get that early goal and. And, and then having to fight our way back into the match, which we did admirably after that. Um, but this was a Newcastle team that's had a lethargic, pathetic attack in recent matches, and they managed to get 22 shots on us. Uh, and six, granted, only six of them were on target, but they, they were getting a lot of opportunities uh, for a team that's as bad as them, and, and, and that does not speak well about our defense. Uh, Lucas? Well, it speaks a lot of how we play, and you have – that is 13 points now that we've dropped in the last 10 minutes of games. 13 points we've dropped in just the last 10 minutes, and that's twice now that we've done that against Newcastle. We could have had six points, and instead we have two from Newcastle because of giving up goals in the last 80 – or 80-plus. 80 so, but I think – with a team like Newcastle that has scored maybe three goals in their last six games, how does a team like that turn up against Spurs and all of a sudden have this free-flowing, willing-to-take attacking opportunities and get these 22 shots you mentioned? It's because no one fears us. No team has to fear, oh, man, if we go at Spurs, we might be left out open or it might be a train wreck. Like Teams, teams turn up against Spurs saying, why not? They don't have a midfield. They're just going to make mistakes, give us the ball. We had, when you watched us play yesterday, there were so many times where their defenders weren't even pressing us because they just figured we'll let them pass it back and forth for a little bit and then they'll eventually just give it away. They had, we had like three or four opportunities, or they had three or four opportunities that just came from not even pressing us and we just eventually would make an errant pass and give them a chance. Like these teams, when they play us, these lower side teams that you would think we would pummel. They don't have to fear us, and they just let us putz around until we give the ball away and give them chances. Yeah, and I think another the other thing that they're not fearing is uh, our two middle back defenders, our two central defenders. I mean, I think they think if they put they put enough pressure on those guys, no matter what it is, something's going to break, and it does. Uh, definitely, like the the defense. Like I think everybody. Uh... Made a mistake on the one goal when you look at it. Um, I'm trying to remember if it was the first or the second, but um, but but you you had Tanganga make a kind of an errant pass back that, that put them into a better a, a position. And that was the first goal. That was yeah. And then then Joe Roden are like practically running into each other to figure out what they're supposed to do. It was. Uh, um, it was a complete failure, and 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 yes, that's. I think the center back's a problem, and Lucas, you pointed out the midfield's a problem too. And I'm going to ask Sam for you to answer this first. Uh, uh, what did you, you think of Ndombele's performance? Because he was the guy that we thought was going to be a bossing our midfield, right? Um, and I know we he's had some good performances for us. I, I I'm not going to criticize him as a, a player, but I I don't think it was a very good day out for him. Uh, what did you think, Sam? Uh, I thought his uh, performance was mediocre. Uh, honestly, I kind of think it's gone down. Uh, 
now that we're later, I kind of feel that we're maybe depending a little bit too heavily on him. It's really our only option at, from a uh, cent, central creative box-to-box midfield uh, standpoint. Um, and But they weren't really pressing him that much yesterday, which typically happens. Uh, most every team uh, we play against will we'll press and dominate um, because, really, he's the only one that can – complete a pass. He has no one to do a simple one-two with. Um, so he, he, I really thought it, it media is putting it the right way for me. Yeah, it, you're right. And, and they're, they're certainly, um, they, they knew that they knew they had to press in Dombele to, to take us on. And that seems to be the, um, what, what they tried to do. Uh, uh, I think Lucas, you're next or Tommy, did you have something? Uh, Lucas can go first. Uh, yeah, I just was going to say, Anthony said there, he's like, I'm not going to criticize Ndombele. I am. I'm going to take a shot here at Ndombele. Um, I think that this is getting to the point where this is the end of his second year with us. This is our record signing. He's got to be able to take over these games and actually run at these defenses. Or he, we, we just give him such slack in terms of a fan base and his supporters. Everything, he does something cool, like an amazing step over and beasts the guy and then takes that run and passes it up behind somebody or loses the ball or, and all we talk about is, Oh, well, what a great step over it was or this. And there's so much potential. It's like, there's no Premier league team out there that would spend 65 million on a player. And after two years, be still saying, Oh, well he's got potential. Like if we're spending that money and you're a record signing, we need you to perform day in, day out. Not after two years, hoping that, Oh, well he's got a lot of potential. This is a guy that needs to start stepping up. And I know that that potential is there, but a game like yesterday, I, I think he was – yeah, he had an assist. But th- I think he, that was a game that he could have easily took that game over, and he didn't. Um, Tommy, did you No, Sam Lucas more or less summed up my thoughts. I am the side that does sympath- – or I'm more of an Ndamwe sympathizer. I do agree that he did have some good moves yesterday, but – I mean, overall, aside from the assist, the end product was not there. But I think or we talked about it a bunch of episodes ago, but I think it was Joe. He said that the reason why Ndombele was so tired out early on is because he he was trying to do the role of two different types of midfielders. So I think the fact that he's trying to do I think he was still trying to do too much yesterday as well. So, and I think it's because he's trying to pick up the slack and earn his price tag. And he's trying to, because like, let's be fair, the rest of the midfield for the most part was not connecting. So, I mean, for him, he's probably like, I got to step up and try to do something. I don't know. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. John? Yeah, I'd like to follow up on something Luke said. Um, and, and I think we have been criticised in the press. I think some of our own players have been saying that we're not getting the basics right. And I think Ndombele is an absolutely classic example of that. Yes, he's able to do a step over that would, you know, send most players out so far they'd have to pay to get back in the ground. But basics the basics of what he needs to do to be a strong midfielder, we're not seeing. We're seeing the flash. We're not seeing what needs to be done 
over and over again. Nope. Yeah. Now, um, to, to your point, like I, I want to ask these questions, and we'll go to you next, Lucas. But um, do you do you guys think that he might be a better fit for, say, La Liga, like a, a league like where he can kind of like uh, do his thing? That there's more of a free flowing midfield. That they uh, uh, that it's more about the quick counter attack. Uh, would he be more effective in those types of leagues where maybe it's not as physical in the midfield, um, uh, Lucas? Well, I'm I'm the one in this group chat that's famous for saying that I never thought that Ndombele could hack it in the Premier League because I thought the physicality of England would be too much for him. Um, and I'd like to think that at some point during this year, I was pleasantly surprised that I think my preseason prediction was that he wasn't even going to start five or ten games in the Premier League or something. But uh, I think that I was the one that always kind of thought that, and it looks like that might be coming back in terms of I think the England might not be the league for him. But, again, there's that he gives us those moments of potential that we want to hang on to. But like John said, I think that you there's that there's that fundamentals and the basics that you need to have down. It's like he and Hoiberg are like complete opposites. Hoiberg is zero flash, but he is just grit and technicality, and every slide tackle he just wins the ball on somebody. It's perfect form. It's everything he does is technically brilliant, but it's not like sexy. And we as Spurs fans get drawn into the the sex appeal of like an awesome step over, but then you lose the ball. It's like, what does that do for us? Yeah. So I think John had a great point with that. No, definitely. Um, uh, any other thoughts of uh, Don Because I do want to talk about Harry Kane in this match a bit. Um, I don't want to get all doom and gloom. Like, yes, it's very disappointing. We, of course, had another opportunity to um, to to gain three points on our adversaries at the top of the table, uh, move up the table. We could have passed Chelsea. We could have uh, passed uh, potentially passed West Ham. Obviously, they won today, so that wouldn't have happened anyway. But um, but it could have been a a big weekend for us uh, in our top four race if we had come away with these three points. So obviously disappointing, but Harry Kane, uh, w- once we gave up that one goal, did a pretty brilliant work in just four minutes, didn't he, Tommy? Yeah. Uh, I mean, this was like classic Harry Kane, and I hate to s- – it sounds weird, or I feel kind of weird saying that because he's only like, what, 26, 27 years old? And he's been a mainstay in the squad for almost seven – give or take seven years. Uh, he did everything that was needed to, and unfortunately, he is the strength of the squad, but everything else in the middle of the field, or middle of the formation and field, failed him. Like, Hugo was great, he kept us in the game. It it could have been easily, like, 4-2, 5-2, but, like, everywhere, like, he was doing everything that was needed, like, terms of the goals and just getting involved everywhere is and it's just so depressing because I mean we'll talk about it during my back page update but I'm like this guy deserves so much more and better it, yeah. it's and I, I want to track back a little bit but like how John and Lucas were seeing like these are like they've seen some shitty teams it's like we have so much talent and we're, we're not punching even at 
our level. And it's just... I'm not saying we should be at a golden time with Spurs because, unfortunately, that's been passed. But it's like, if everybody put in effort and if things are working, like we should at least be third or fourth right now, and we're not. And like for me, this is the most frustrating time because arguably we've had the greatest striker in Spurs history. And as of right now, or maybe... 10, 15 years down the line, arguably the greatest striker in Premier League history. Definitely English striker. And we're doing fuck all with it. It's, I'm like, I don't, and I'm going to support this team until I die, but it's like, I'm kind of numb to this right now, unfortunately. He deserves better. He does. Uh, yeah. I think, Lucas, you were up next. <clears throat> well, like something that about Harry Kane. I think there's like a fundamental problem with this group of guys. I mean, some of them are just not that good, these players, but there's the mentality part that's missing. Tommy had mentioned that like the top, we could be top four, like three or fourth place right now, but it seems like every time we get an opportunity, like the way Saturday worked out for us, where all of a sudden you now have Chelsea get smacked by West Brom. You have, Leicester gets beat by City. It's like, okay, top four, back on. All we got to do is just go beat a relegation battle team. And you remember when we had, like, Leicester and us were chasing down the title for the Leicester season, and Harry Kane tweeted that thing with, like, the Lions, where, like, the the picture was, like, a picture of the Lions that were stalking their prey or whatever. And it was that, basically, the statement was, like, yo, Leicester, we're coming for you. Do you feel any of that with this group of guys? Like, do you yeah. feel any bit that they came out yesterday and saw that that was an opportunity that they could really like make a mark on this season and actually go fight for the top four? Like, or did it just feel like an extra, like an extra training session out at St. James instead? Yeah. Like there, there's just something missing with this group that I, I think is just, it's a big problem. John? Yeah. I'm with you. I think that they they didn't come out thinking that this was a wonderful opportunity to take advantage of the other results of the of the weekend. They came out and thought, well, we can beat these guys if we play, you know, reasonably well, and let's just go out there and kick the ball around, and you know, Kane will dig us out, which he did with a couple of great goals, and and that'll be it. I just don't, you know, to go back to Harry Kane a little bit, he seems to come through no matter what. But he does seem to do better when he's got certain players playing with him. And there's no doubt that Son and Kane have a good understanding. And before him, Ali. And Ali hasn't been playing and Son was injured. Um, And I think you lose a little bit of that chemistry there. Now, you can argue against that by saying the fact that he scored two goals without him. But, um, But even so, I don't think it's necessarily what... um exactly what the what the issue is but if people like if players like playing with other players and they think that they get on with them then they play better and this team is not showing that um they don't seem to be want to play for each other and that that's disappointing and i think what we what we may see is players that we think aren't hacking it here go going out being sold and suddenly they're superstars and we just didn't get the best out of them. And that, that's, that's, I have a concern about that. 
I, I agree with you, John, and I'm going to go to Sam next on this one. Do we think that this is a Jose issue? Is um, and, and obviously we know about Jose's comments after the match. Uh, he, he he kind of uh, uh, stood on his high horse and 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 just pointed the finger at the players uh, being the. Um, but let's start with Sam first, and then we'll go to Tommy. Um, I was really disappointed with uh, Jose's comments after the game. Um, recently, there's been this. Um, quote stuck in my head just um, after like relating to the events that are going on in my life as well as things in the news from uh, uh, coach John uh, um, legendary UCLA basketball coach on leadership he said you know good leaders will always take all the blame and and give away any and all credit and Jose put that on the players. I mean, and he seems to, it's, he's been doing that plenty lately. And if this is kind of like what he needs to do, like right before he gets a uh, shit can't, uh, part of my language. Um, so, so, I mean, I don't know what the issue is. I, I don't know. I'm not a player. I'm not, I'm, I'm only a supporter at this point. You know, I'm not involved in the squad at all, but at the same time, you know, the players don't pick the team that's going out on the pitch. Like we saw that lineup. We, we were all kind of scratching our heads a little bit. Yeah. Uh, they don't run the training sessions. So at, at certain point, you know, and who's, who's, who's accountable. There's gotta be some accountability and that's kind of where we, I think we'll start to get better is just some accountability. And and we're saying that it seems like the talent outweighs the performance, which does suggest that there is a coach problem. But Tommy, you're next up. Yeah, I'm. A lot of people like Jose is was like Daniel Levy hiring Jose Mourinho. It was all it was. We all knew it was going to end in heartbreak, one way or another. Yeah, regardless if he won trophies or not. We just wanted to eke out some results during that time. Or at least that was my thought. I am, a lot of people have been saying that, oh, this is all Jose's fault. And I'm like, if you've been following this whole season, like you, I'm like, either you are horribly biased or like you're a fucking mark, but I'm like, you can tell that the players are not in it. I'm like, so there's a few like I have I would be inclined to lay a little more blame on the players. I've said it in the past where this is kind of an indictment on Mauricio Pochettino not buying players, not having uh, competition. Because let's be fair, I mean, yeah, there's been a lot of purchases made, but a lot of the main players they're still carried over from the previous regime, whether it be under ABB or Pochettino. So, I mean, I still will place blame on Josie Ryu because, like, let's be fair, ever since he was at Chelsea, he's been noted as a man-manager. He protects the players and all that stuff. He hasn't been doing this as of recently. He's been throwing a lot of players on the bus. Not as bad as Tim Sherwood, but it's still pretty bad. So, my issue is he's not doing well to 
I mean, I've said it before in the past where Mauricio Pacino said, like, he, he more or less alluded to and said that he didn't want a lot of rabble-rousers in the squad. He more or less wanted people that were easygoing and more or less yes-men. We don't have strong personalities in, in the squad. And I don't mean somebody that's going to debate him and question him all the time. I, I say strong personalities as in, like, a Roy Keane or Patrick Vieira, like I said in the past, or like John Terry. We need a strong personality that can rally the troops together. I love Hugo Lloris. I haven't seen that. So, like, how many, like he said it once after the Dinamo Zagreb press conference. He yelled at uh, Hungman's son last season. But, I mean, what I mean, what else am I seeing? I know he probably does a lot as a captain behind the scenes, but what else is he doing on the field remains to be seen. Um, and because of that, I'm, I'm like – I feel that we just, I, and I've said, many, I hate repeating myself, but I'm like, I feel like we got a lot of soft players because of this, of just what's like been accumulating over the previous years. We don't have anybody yelling, like, like a Roy Keane that'd be like getting in somebody's face, like, hey, do your job, do this. And then, you know, you do it because you don't want to feel his wrath type of deal. I, and I know times are different in terms of, player's mentality and all that, but I'm like, but that's kind of the also an indictment on Jose Mourinho because I feel like he hasn't, he's kind of been stuck on the old times. Cause like, and my last thing that I'll say about this, I was looking at a bunch of videos on YouTube today and a quote from Brian Clough, I think that's how you say his name. Um, Clough, Brian Clough. Clough. It, yeah. it, 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 it seems very appropriate right now. He said he couldn't compromise to save. He said I couldn't compromise to save my life. I think that's where Josie's at because he's kind of stuck in his old way, and he doesn't have any new methods or is willing to kind of let go and be like, okay, I'm doing this for the sake of my squad. I'm doing this to protect, or you know, to get results or protect my legacy type thing. Yeah, I mean, Cloth was doing that after he was getting fired from Leeds after like what thirty days or something like that, but. But yeah, regardless, point taken. Uh, Lucas, I think you were next. <clears throat> yeah, uh, Tommy had a couple things there. One, he had mentioned like Jose with like the Chelsea, like being the man manager there. The difference is those were good players. There's there's going to be a point where we kind of have to understand that a lot of this Tottenham team right now is not good enough, and like that's just it's a sad reality that we are going to have to face with. I don't have that much of a problem with Jose, his comments after the game yesterday. I have, he made one big mistake. I have no problem with him calling people out. I don't, because I would actually rather see that than the like kumbaya BS pressers that Poch had after games where it's like, no, the team was bad. The team was poor. But the big thing with Jose yesterday was he started Sanchez. And I'm sorry, I, I, I don't know how many times, like, how many times do we have to learn that Sanchez is absolute shit? How many times, like, and everyone's like, oh, well, who else is going to play? Well, Dyer, someone, a U19 kid. I don't care. There has to be someone that's better than Sanchez in this, in our dressing room. There has to be. He fucks us time and time again. He's done it the entire season. And yeah, Dyer's always got a mistake in him. But until Christmas, we all thought Dyer was having a great season. Like, we know Dyer's capable of going to put a shift in. He got us clean sheets against City and Chelsea and Arsenal. Like, that's a guy that 
we have to be able to trust them. So, like, I, putting Sanchez out there, it's like, I, I, that's the one part where I'm like, Jose, you can't be doing this anymore, and then blaming other people. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go to John next, but I, I think some of that is we're at the point like where maybe we have to look at our defense moving forward. Uh, Toby's not likely to be here. We'll talk about that more with Tommy's segment later. Um, Toby's probably not going to be around another year, so we have to figure out what life after Toby and Vertonghen is. And, and we it's have not going to be Sanchez. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, the guys that have a potential to be around still uh, were the ones that are are playing and and Dyer's but had some shit performances where he's given up some uh, pretty pathetic goals as well but I do agree with you earlier in the season he had uh, a couple of better performances as center back but let's go to John I think that um Lucas is exactly right Sanchez has proven over and over again that he is not uh, not the player back there the, but to go back to Jose the one of the things that kind of hacks me off a little bit is that I'm seeing him be very petty and I don't like petty people but um, when he was questioned about the squad after the game particularly Aurier and Toby he said well they weren't at training well photographs showed that they were at training they had trained with the team Thursday and Friday Um, so if he's lying like that to me, he's just—he's obviously been petty with them for whatever reason. He didn't want to pick them, and had he put Toby in there instead of um, Sanchez on on Sunday, I think it would have made a difference. I happen to think that the combination of the experience of Toby and the quality of Roden would be a terrific center um, center back situation with um, uh, Dyer there as an alternative, Sanchez there as a as a substitute maybe. But that seems to that seems to me to make to to make the most sense. But we're not seeing that, and then we then we get his petty excuses as to why Alderweireld wasn't in the team. I, I don't get it. I agree Nobody. with you, John. That that pairing should be good enough. Like a like a Toby Ro- Joe Roden pairing should be good enough for Newcastle. I mean, I don't have any doubt about that. Uh, Lucas, you want to respond? Yeah, I, I think that this is going to be the last time that we get to see Jose use like international break as a reason or rotation as like an excuse. Because right now, this is the last international break. We have one game a week, basically, except for I think we play on a Wednesday right before the cup final. But we're going to have one game a week, basically, for the run out. So it's going to be whoever he puts out there. We're never going to have these excuses anymore. But I, I think one of the things I want to touch on is we all touch or we all talk about like this Jose problem. We were the ones that were begging for Lacelso and Dombele and Hoybier to play together. Remember, we all thought that was like the dream three in the midfield. I think I don't feel like these players trust each other. And when you look at like Harry Kane, for example, yesterday we had Hoybier, Lacelso, and Ndombele in the midfield. And it's like, why did Harry Kane keep falling so deep he's been doing it all year but like it's a Kane. we don't need you to be the guy that's facilitating all this you go be at the end of it but I feel like Harry doesn't trust the rest of them they don't trust each other Harry's now playing three different roles he was our best defender yesterday like I don't feel like there's a trust amongst the players so to be honest it's like it almost doesn't matter who Jose throws out there if these guys don't trust each other how are they supposed to go get results 
Yeah, John. I I I think I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge one thing you said there. Um, Kane was not put on the field as the upfront striker yesterday. That was Vinicius, and Kane was playing behind him. So if he's playing behind him, he's going to get involved in the midfield to a degree. And and that's the way Mine, it's designed. That was to mostly be, second think. half. You're right. I was I was talking more in the second half when we were trying to facilitate, and it didn't seem like Harry had trust in people to supply him and Son. I, I agree with you, you. I with what you're saying in principle, though, Lucas. There is this like Harry Kane's got to do this uh, all this extra work to make up for the 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 failings of, of a position that's supposed to be pretty strong for us right now. After we have Lo Celso and Dombele and Hoy Bier there, which are all talented players on paper, uh, they should be able to get the ball out of the midfield to the attacking band without us uh, having to have Harry Kane drop back all the time. And I do think he was more in that attacking. Um, uh, midfield role in the beginning when Vinicius was on, and then uh, Vinicius really didn't accomplish that much, and I think he was justifiably subbed off. Uh, but um, he might not have been my first sub, but um, but uh, I understand why Vinicius came off in that match. And I, I obviously I think it, Son wasn't ready to start the game, uh, but you'd think we could have maybe worked out Bale or something to start and and sub Bale off early or something. Uh, but uh, it seems like we could have come up with a better combination. Uh, but it, kind of any other thoughts before we start to go to MVP, LVP? I'll, oh, Tommy has one. Yeah, I actually wrote this in my notes. So, you know, we're up 2-1 at the end of the half. Jose puts on Sun for Vinicius, as you stated. I'm like, Clearly, I mean, aside from Sanchez being chosen, I'm like, you know, I get, I'm like, well, I'm kind of, I'm numb to that right now. But so clearly, Jose was going for another goal. Like him putting this on paper made sense to everybody because you can tell, like, even though all the play to Joel Linton, like he was, they were getting scoring chances, even though there weren't like more than half the chances weren't on goal. But I'm like. He knew that he needed another goal, and unfortunately, it didn't happen. But I'm like, like I said before, I'm like, unfortunately, that's an indictment on the players as well. Just, I mean, maybe Bale should have came on. I don't know how if Son was 100%. But, you know, clearly he at least looked good to play, but unfortunately, he was not effective. But, yeah, I don't, um, unfortunately, this season's at a loss. Yeah. And let's just – and how you are saying before with Roden, I'm like, have him continue starting because clearly he is up to snuff and let him play and let's prepare for next season regardless if we get fourth, even though that's a pipe dream. But, well, I'm probably going to have to buy him a partner, but yeah. like, uh, Oh, yeah, God. I want to see him play to get the minutes. The no- So we know if we really have the player that we think that we have there at this point. Yeah. Um, uh, look, it's one one quick point, and then we're going to go to Shub's question before we do the uh, uh, MVP LVP. So go ahead, Lucas. No, no, I'm good. We can go to LVP MVP. Oh, okay, okay. So let's or go Shub's to Shub's question. question. Shub's question kind of leads into it, uh, MVP LVP. So uh, go ahead, Tommy. Shub's our good friend from London. Uh, his question is: Has there been a more obvious LVP for you guys in the history of you guys doing this? On um, PS, all the knees in the world. 
will do no good unless we aim down the gobs of racist or the platforms that indulge it. Them. Um, for those who don't know, there was a guy on Instagram not say, saying not so nice words to Davis Sanchez, whether he deserved it or not, is not the point, of course. Yeah, but yeah. um, Sanchez was trash, but he does not deserve that type of okay. uh, like uh, um, statements that were well, made. I, I'll be the first one to answer actually, because when I saw this reply, this. Do, well, when he says do this, does he mean podcast or actually being a fan? So I'm going to take it as being a fan. For me, 2011 FA Cup um, against Fulham, I think it was third round. It was in January. My man, Michael Dawson, he was clearly the LVP. I hate to say it, but that was like easily the worst game he's ever played. If Nate was here, he probably would remember. But what it was... Is that the 4-0? Uh, I think so. It like Dawson gave up two goals terribly, and then he got a red card by the 50th minute or something. So I would say that was like the worst performance I've I've ever seen in a Spurs shirt. Clearly, clearly, you haven't seen Justin Edinburgh play. That was before my time, though. Yeah, but he was when he went out there. You had to hold your breath every time the ball got close to him because either he didn't do anything with it or he gave up a penalty with it uh, at the same time. But uh, that's the only one that springs to mind. That's the that really is worse than than Sanchez has been this season and particularly uh, yesterday. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh, side note: I was actually being very generous with Dawson, so. He actually gave up two penalties, um, and he got sent off in the 13th minute. Oh, geez. So, yeah, that, so it, I might be heavily biased for Dawson, but I can call him out when I know there is a, he had a shit game. So, that, that there you go. Game. Um, but, no, I mean, Shubes, obviously Sanchez is going to be, I think, most of our LVP, but we'll see what everybody says when the time comes, uh, and we'll go to that in a second. Uh, but, yeah, it, it it's kind of sad that we're at this point, like where we have this defender that we paid so much money for that. Um, just, we all thought we had something um, in uh, whatever it was. It, it worked in the three man back line. Cause like, uh, like a healthy Toby and Jan papered over the cracks. I think a lot of, uh, and, and he just got to be fast and chase people down while we pressed hard. And, and he was fine with that role. Um, but um but when you have to actually block people in the box and, and, and put up a reasonable defense against set pieces and, and uh, um, tight attacks that are pressing forward on you, he just collapses. And it, it's, I don't think he, there's a place for him in the Premier League. I mean, he might be serviceable in another league as well, but, uh, but I think he's, uh, he needs to be done. And I don't know if we're going to get our money back on him. Uh, Lucas? Well, actually, the last bit that you just said there is kind of where I'm going with this, but to answer Shubes just real quick, uh, mine would still be Peter Crouch at away at Madrid in the quarterfinal oh, when he got the yeah. double. Like that'll always be the biggest LVP. I mean, it's different if you're a defender getting two yellows or giving away penalties, but I mean, if you're a striker and you're getting two yellows in like 16 minutes or whatever it was, it's in our biggest game ever. Like that was the biggest LVP move. But I think the, the thing about Sanchez, like we were kind of talking about it at the pub yesterday, was there's a little bit of thought that there might be 
the reason he's playing all these games might be about sell-on value. Like, he's got to, like, Levy wants him playing or something to see if we can boost his value. I, I, that's kind of what Peter, like a few of us were talking about outside the pub. And I think that was the only logical thing we could think of. At the same time, I'm like, I don't think Jose would ever, like, bow to Levy's will there. But uh, in my head, I can't think of a reason why Jose would continually pick Sanchez. I, I know we don't see what goes on on the training ground, but I'm like, there there can't be – there has to be some other reason that we can't think of that we're seeing him time and time again playing 90 minutes for us. Yeah, well, I think Dyer had a couple of mistakes. Toby had a mistake that, uh, in one of the matches he played. But I think real quick, Anthony – Real quick, the thing that is you're, – you're absolutely right. And Dyer had that silly penalty against Chelsea that cost us the game. Dyer has moments where he's – like, is an issue. Sanchez is, like, team's target. Guys run at him. Guys know if you can just whip the ball in his area. Like, I was watching Newcastle yesterday do it. They just would they, – they, there'd be nothing really there that presented a scoring threat. But they'd just whip the ball in because somebody was probably ghosting past Sanchez. Like, they would just whip it towards him and see what happens. So, like, he is so bad that it's – teams are literally targeting like targeting Sanchez. Whereas Dyer and Toby, like, yeah, they have the odd mistake, and I'm saying with Surge, but teams don't target them. Like, Newcastle was targeting Sanchez. Okay, well, we're going to start with LVP, but, John, you can – I know you wanted to comment on what Lucas was saying, so you can roll into that and then give us your LVP, which – I think we probably know. Yeah, the only thing I was going to say to Lucas is that I cannot imagine when we're desperate for points and desperate to win games that a player is being played because we're trying to showcase him rather than putting the best squad out there. Um, I, I I know that there are there's compelling evidence for that because he continues to get played and he's continued to be crap. But I just can't imagine that that would be the that that would be the case. If if that's the case, then this isn't the Tottenham Hotspur I've supported for a long time. And as far as LVP is concerned, um, yeah, it's Sanchez. Uh, okay. Do you want you want the MVPs at the same time or? Yeah, let's do them both at the same time because I think this is uh, a case where it's probably it might be the same guys for everybody for both cases. Uh, so, John, who's your MVP? Well, I think Harry Kane's got it for two goals. Yeah, I mean, two goals and, like, the only – the difference maker. He he played the midfield. He played the attack. He, I'll, I'll say mine now. He You have me, Sanchez, LVP, Harry Kane, MVP. Uh, let's go to Sam next. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm going to go with you guys. Harry Kane, MVP, uh, Sanchez, LVP. And just kind of wanted to um, add on to some things that were said about Sanchez, like – um, it was even caught in the Amazon documentary where Mourinho said in the, um, I believe that was the 2017 uh, 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 Europa League final, um, that he told his players to uh, dribble at Sanchez when he was playing for Ajax because he he thought he, he was not very good with the ball at his feet. I'm very confused as to why he's, why he's playing him, even if He's clearly showing that in games, and Jose knew that when he was uh, managing against him in a cup final. 
But didn't he also have praise for Sanchez, though? Because I, I could have sworn there was like a one-on-one kind of interview with him, those two, and they're like, he said, I think you're a good defender because I saw you or you know, I knew about you and then I saw you or I thought you did per- played pretty well in the final or some crap. He was playing with Matias DeLitt at Ajax, too, who's well, yeah, that helped. a very good defender for both the Netherlands and uh, Juventus. So, I think he needs to be in like a cleanup role is like a, what Sanchez is good for. You have somebody who's a dominant defender that um, can stop just about anything, can lead the line, keeps everything under control. And you can just have him be the cleanup guy that if if uh, somebody's running behind the line, he can get back and, and so essentially make a, a sweeper tackle every once in a while. Yeah, sweeper. He's a, he's a sweep like a sweeper, but I, I think he's best in a back three. But um, uh, Tommy, who, did you give us your LVP MVP? I did not. Um, I do agree with everybody on Sanchez. I would. I do agree with Kane because offensively he was the best player. But I, I'm giving my MVP to Joe Roden. I thought in, he was by far so much better in contrast to Davidson Sanchez. But I think aside from Hugo, he was also helped. He helped keep this, the game, uh, or help prevent Newcastle from scoring more goals, as weird as that sounds, um, because they're not known for scoring them. But, uh, and I, I kind of alluded to in the past, but I'm like, or 20 minutes ago, but I'm like, yeah, I think he's clearly the player for the future. So I'm like, hopefully he starts against Man United. Yeah, uh, yeah. Very, very quick aside. He had a very, very good game for Wales last week. He oh. was out. He was stunning against Wales. That's and that's good to see an international play for him to have the same quality. Where especially with a team that doesn't have a ton of quality like, like Wales. Uh, uh, Lucas? <clears throat> yeah, uh, the obvious LVP is Sanchez. Uh, just want to give a quick shout-out to the Celso, though. I thought he was worthless yesterday. Um, and also, Regulon, I don't want to go in on Regulon too much because I know that he's coming off injury, but he got skinned multiple times, uh, which leads to my MVP. Of course, we could just give it to Harry, but I wanted to give a shout-out and make my MVP uh, Hoybeer. I think Hoybeer was phenomenal yesterday. He was cleaning up for guys left and right. I think Hoybeer was the reason it wasn't a five-goal performance for Newcastle. I think Hoybeer had a really, really great game and was doing a lot of like unnoticed things to back up what was a little bit of a calamity at the back for us defensively. Yeah. Well, um, I will call you out a little bit like um... – you made Lasalso uh, like an honorary mention at LVP, um, but um, he came back even more recently than Regulon, who you just uh, gave a break to. But Regulon's hurt once in a while. Lacelso is continuously hurt. It's Lamella, so I assume if we're going to watch Lamella play or Lacelso, they're coming off injury at some point. That's just who they are. So he doesn't really get that pass. It's just what we're used to. Yeah, no, I definitely. Uh, well, uh, great conversation, guys. I, I um, um, but I think that p- about brings us up to the half. Uh, this time we have three halftime segments. 
And first, we are going to uh, the second half. We only have one game to preview with Manchester United, but we're going to talk a bit about uh, Tommy's back page update. But the first one we're going to go to is Luke's locks. All right, kids. <clears throat> so, going to start off with a little bit of pessimism. Uh, go over two and a half goals in Spurs United coming up next Saturday. That's going to be our first lock. Our defense has proved that it's not very good, and United not to score. We'll probably get a goal or two, so definitely take over two and a half goals. Uh, second one, Liverpool is minus one and a half goals at home against Villa. Uh, Villa's home, or excuse me, Liverpool's home form this season has been shocking, but I think they owe Villa a little bit of a comeback since the last time they met was the 7-2 at Villa Park. Uh, next one, Chelsea minus one away against Palace. Chelsea coming off the back of that beat down from West Brom on Saturday. I think Chelsea's going to respond with a good, strong win against Palace, especially now that we let them back into the top four race. Uh, and then the last one, City is minus a goal and a half at home against Leeds. Uh, Leeds is going to play an open game, which if you want to play an open game against Man City, good luck. And City seems to be in that form where they are just on cruise control, full steam ahead to the title. So City minus one and a half. There's your four free picks. And let's go get rich, kids. Sounds good. Well, thank you, Lucas. Next, we are going to go to John's Lone Player Update. Yes, good evening, everybody. Lovely to be with you. Um, This is the April Loan Update. And um, I think this week uh, I'm going to break the loans down into three categories. Those that are working, those that are kind of working, and those that really are not working at all. Um, And you wonder why they're actually being loaned there. Now, to start with those that are working, obviously we've got uh, Skip at Norwich. We've talked about him. Um, He actually got a half off in the last uh, 10 days, but nonetheless, he's ever-present there. He's doing a fabulous job. He's going to be a wonderful player. Um, Ioma at Lincoln. He has been getting a lot of minutes. Now, he did miss the last game, but uh, but nonetheless, Lincoln are doing well, and he's a big part of that, and I think that that is, is really good for him. Um, Carter Vickers at Bournemouth is playing a lot. Um, I was a bit concerned with, with their change in manager to uh, our old friend Jonathan Woodgate, that he would not, uh, that he would fall out of favour. But it appears that that, that hasn't happened, and um, he's still doing well there. Um, Ockendina is playing for Cambridge. He's getting a lot of time. He's very solid in the middle of the backfield there, and is doing is doing extremely well. Um, Ryan Sessignon, he did. Uh, he also played for the England under twenty ones, as we discussed earlier. Um, he has been getting a lot of time uh, at the uh, yeah uh, for Hoffenheim, and I think that that loan is really working out. And the last one I think is really working is uh, is Foyth. Um, he was uh, he was part of a he's been part of a bit of a revival for Hoffenheim. They've won five out of the last six games. He's been playing central defence. He's been playing right back, and the last game he played was in midfield. So he's showing he's very versatile, um, doing very well. Of course, I'll just remind you that uh, Hoffenheim do, uh, I'm sorry, Villarreal do have an option 
on um, keeping him at the end of the season and the way he's playing for them, I've got a feeling that's going to, you know, really, really work out well. Um, so there, there, those are the ones that I think are working out really well. The ones that I think are working out okay are White at Portsmouth. He's getting playing time. He's very young, but um, he came on in the 62nd minute of the last game, and he's getting some good time at Portsmouth, and I think that that'll be good for him. So, I, you know, that, that he's doing reasonably well there. Um, I would put Parrot in the same category. Um, he was on the bench today, didn't play. Um, he's at Ipswich. He seems to be getting some time, not a great deal of time. Um, I'd like to see, I think, you know, the, the object of all these loans is to get people playing. Um, and Parrot's getting some time there. So he's, do, he's doing okay. And then um, I'm going to put in the okay um, list uh, Brandon Austin. I've seen that... Uh, Orlando City is starting up their season at the, in the uh, in the United States. He's one of three goalkeepers listed for Orlando City. Um, he's obviously part of the the warm up act. Whether he gets to play or not, um, I'm just not sure. But um, but we'll put that in there. And then lastly, I I want to talk about the uh, the loans that I really don't think are working. Um, Jack Clark at Stoke is not getting any playing time. He's also not on the bench. So, I mean, if he's not, not going to be on the bench, I don't understand why he's there. Um, Rolls, who's at Stevenage, he's not playing and he's not on the bench. So I can't see how um, how useful that can be. Um, Shiloh Tracy, our second um, loanee to be playing at Cambridge, has been on the bench but is an unused sub. So he's not really getting much out of this loan. Um, Gazaniga. Gazaniga has not played one minute yet for Elk since he went out on loan. Um, I can't see how that, that is positive for him at all. Um, the uh, Malachi Fagan Walcott, who's been playing, who's up there at Dundee, um, he hasn't played any games since the 13th of March. Um, they uh, Dundee lost 2-0 to Arbroath this week and he, he didn't get a look in I can't see that that's um, that that's working out at all and then lastly and this is a this is not uh, along the lines of the others uh, Keziah Sterling who went to Morton Granite Morton in Scotland his loan has been uh, cut short because he got injured so um we wish him the best and hope that he gets back uh, fit again soon. So, but in all in all, we've got some really good loans. We've got some loans that look like they're doing okay. And then we've got some loans that don't make any sense to me at all. And that's my April roundup. Well, thanks so much for that, John. Like, and I, actually there were some things I hadn't heard. And I do have some concerns about some of the players not getting minutes. Like I'd like to see Jack Clark get some minutes. I mean, he might be. Yeah, above, that was, but... that was the most disappointing one to hear was Jack Clark. Yeah, because like, you'd think that like with some minutes, it, there might be a player there, even if it's not a uh, player that's going to ever play for Spurs, it could be a player that we could sell on and, and have some kind of financial benefit out of um, if you were to get minutes and show that he could perform, but uh, whatever it is, it's keeping him out of the, the, the squad there is kind of disappointing. 
Um, but but no, thank you so much for that. As always, like very informative, and um, I definitely appreciate hearing about it because I don't always follow that either. Uh, but let's go to Tommy's back page update next, and we're going to talk about each topic as they come up here. All right. Uh, hi, everybody. As Anthony said, I'm Tommy, and this is your back page update. Um, as reported by Football 24, center back Toby Alderweireld is wanted by Belgian team Club Bruges. Uh, for those who don't know, they're actually a heavy hitter in Belgium's first division or division A. I think that's actually what they call it. Um, the rumor arose due to the fact in successive games he hasn't been starting or even selected. Um, I believe this is a lot of hot fire. Um, of course, this is conditional. Uh, but aside from a lack of effort, the center backs are probably the worst out of the starting 11 um, as a whole. Uh, I mean, this is lazy journalism because Toby is Belgian. Um, but also, let's keep it real. He is still the best defender, um, regardless if he has lost a step or not. Um, I can see an exit heading in his direction if uh, we can get two uh, quality center backs coming in in the summer. Well, th- th- this is definitely an interesting topic, Tommy. And uh, um, I think we have to accept that this might be our last year with Toby Alderweireld. And I think that might be what Jose is getting us ready for. I don't think playing Sanchez is the answer, but um, um but I think they are preparing um, at White Hart Lane for life after Toby Alderweireld. Um, and, and he has lost a step. Um, I still think he has something to provide, but he's made some mistakes too this season uh, that he wouldn't have made in previous seasons. Um, I, I think him going back to Belgium makes sense. Uh, Club Bruges is a heavy hitter there. I actually watched a, a match while I was in uh, – Bruce, I think I almost went to it, but I didn't go to it. Um, I, they're a, a good squad in their country as as far as Belgium teams go, and I'm sure he would be an amazing defender there um, with their quality. But Lucas, uh, I'm in. If if that sales take place this summer, like I'll absolutely take that. I think it's one of the biggest things that we do as Spurs is we actually don't sell at the right time. I think that we've had so many opportunities where we could sell someone for a high profit and we don't um i think toby doesn't have a future here i think that this is probably his last year so if they're able to give us a good offer this summer like i would take that in a heartbeat like we got 17 we sold kevin vimmer for 17 million pounds like what can we get for toby like i'll take whatever they're offering yeah it is at his age it might not be as much uh but um but yeah, I think it could be uh, enough to make justify the move and maybe uh, set us up to make to bring in our next uh, center back. That we're certainly yeah, anywhere between fifteen and twenty. I'm taking it. Yeah, uh, John. Yeah, I was just going to say Toby's maybe not in the twilight of his career, but the sun is certainly setting. And um, as such, there's always that quandary: Do you sell him when he's got maybe a couple of seasons left? Or do you get rid of him at that time when you can get some decent money for him? And it's always sad when somebody's been a good servant that you say, you know, thanks a lot, well done, you know, you're on your way. But nonetheless, that's just the way it is. And um, I think he's been fantastic for us over the years, and I'll be sorry to see him go, but I fully understand it. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense to me. 
Uh, Sam, Tommy, any thoughts that you want to add? Uh, I've already said my piece. So um, yeah, I'll say you know it's it's been uh, great with Toby. Um, the, his partnership with Jan Vertonghen was could was I can't even apparently can't even find the words for it. Um, something that we may, may never ever see again. Um, unfortunately, Jan had to go to. I think at this point, you know, um, Toby's been good for us, but we need to focus on the future and getting that unit into ship shape um, where where it can be solid game in, game out, where I'm, I'm not biting at my nails anytime. Yeah. Oh, something weird happened with the sound there, but yeah. Uh, no, I get your point, Sam. Uh, I, I think let's, pop, let's go to your next point, Tommy. So, next up is for an article by Sky Sports, La Liga Club, Atletico Madrid, are admirers of Harry Winks. So, we heard Valencia rumors in the winter. I found surprising, um, but I find this is more surprising because they're top of the league. Not really sure why they would be interested. Um, I know, I mean, we kind of talked about it in the past, but the game is at a slower pace in La Liga. So, in, in theory, he could do better. You've seen Kieran Trippier do better there. Fair enough. Um, I mean, this is a pipe dream because he hasn't been selected for the first team, but I can only hope that he gets selected in the Euros just so we can maximize the transfer fee. But, yeah. Yeah, uh, that makes sense, Tommy. Um, uh, let's go to Lucas first on this. Uh, yeah, if this is true, then Real or Atletico Madrid is like my—they're my heroes because I mean they've took Trippier off my hands, and if they want to get Winks, I will not only buy Winks's plane ticket over there, but I will buy a Atletico Winks shirt if you want me to. Like, just please tell me that that's true. Couldn't <laughs> be more excited about that deal. Uh, you know, I. I think Winks could probably perform pretty well in that league. Um, Absolutely, he could. There's, it, it's another example of that, like uh, where Indombele would, I think, destroy that league, uh, just because th- there's a lot more space in that in those midfields. Um, it's a uh, it's a lot less physical. Um, and and Anthony, space. I just want to, I, I completely agree, and I just want to quickly defend myself here. Like, I don't want people to think that I think Winks is a shit footballer. Like, I think he's good. But I'm at the point where how many years do we give someone to do more than what he's given us? So it's like we just need to cut ties with Winks is my point. I don't think Winks is bad. I think, like you said, I think he can do very well there. Yeah, and I, can, on, I, could, feel good, I could feel support, good, feel good supporting him there as well. But, John, uh, your thoughts? Yeah, I think, Lucas, I think you're being a bit harsh on, uh, on Winks. Um, to me, he's always been a really good backup, um, and he's done that job very well. I can see that he's one of the players that I touched on earlier that gets a transfer and it changes him completely, and suddenly he's a superstar, he's back playing for England, and um, I think that there might be some regrets about that. But I do also think that if someone's got to go at this point, then uh, Winks is probably the one. Um, we he's home bred. Any money we get for him, um, 
You know, it's not as if we've got to offset a, uh, a transfer fee for him coming in. And uh, I wish him luck. I've always liked the lad. Yeah, I I agree with you, John. Uh, and Sam, like you looked like you wanted to make a point. Yeah, I I mean, I, I like Winks. Um, I'll admit it. Uh, but at the same time, I think what I was touching on earlier with Toby, we've got to be thinking forward. Um, he's uh, a little bit inconsistent with us. Um, we he's not someone where we can just insert in the, in the starting lineup and say, oh. Oh, he'll play well with anybody. You can't play him and Sissoko if they're in the same time. Um, so, and he has given us some great moments, a very good performance against Real Madrid in the Champions League, that great late winner against Fulham um, a couple years back. Uh, but at the same time, those moments are too few and far in between. We've, we've got to move on to a player who is a lot more consistent, someone we can just stick in – the lineup, uh, Sam. Sam, I love that you used thinking forward with Winks too, because I mean, if when I think of Winks, I think <laughs> thinking lateral and thinking back pass. I never think forward when I think of Winks. Oh, harsh. harsh. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. Making those consistent passes with uh, Hugo Uris, it's his pass accuracy number is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, Hugo's uh, his favorite pass buddy. Um, so you but, watch uh, play. Uh, Tommy, any final thoughts before we move on to your next topic? I do not. I, I uh, Okay, so next off. As claimed by the secret footballers, Spurs are in discussions with British Airways to the rights of the stadium for £250 million for 15 years. Uh, this is in contradiction to the $25 million a year wanted by Chairman Daniel Levy. Of course, the reduced price is no surprise due the, to the pandemic. Personally, I wouldn't mind British Airways being a sponsor. They are reputable. They are in no danger of going out of business either. So, I mean, the club could do a lot worse. Now, um, I, I'll respond first, and then we go to we'll go to John. But um, I think that the, they may have gotten very unlucky with the COVID pandemic hitting us. Uh, right as the right after the stadium opened, like we were positioned well to get the best possible deal, and then the conditions um, that that we're looking at now are precipitating it. Like I think we waited so we could call it Tottenham Hotspur Spur Stadium while we were doing all these premium events um, that that would draw people into England and say like, look at this amazing stadium. Um, and the revenue would just start flying in and then we would get like a premium sponsor, but then COVID happened and we weren't able to do any of those extra events. And now we have this brand new stadium that we were in debt for that, like, uh, we need to get a sponsor for, and this might reflect that. But what are your thoughts, John? Well, British Airways doesn't have 250 million pounds to throw around right now. I mean, all of the airlines have suffered. Many, many have gone out of business. Those that have been able to stay in business have lost enormous amounts of revenue. I just, it, to me, it doesn't add up because I can't imagine that the British people, and of course British Airways is independent now, it's not owned by the government or anything, but the British people are going to think all that highly of an airline that's cutting, uh, cutting fares, they're cutting routes, 
um, to, to throw 250 million at this project. It, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, that seems a little weird to me too. Uh, Lucas? Uh, <clears throat> so John, yeah, he basically just said the first point and my two point thought of that was, A, it's not like airlines right now, any airline is doing well. Um, the other thing is, I don't think that Daniel Levy is going to make a massive, what was it, like a 15-year deal proposed or something with the rumor is. Our stadium is revolutionary in terms, like from a business standpoint, because of it changes the match day experience of football. We would make, with if you took COVID off the table and there's no COVID, we would be raking in much more money than any other Premier League club, any other team in football in Europe in a game day setting because it's about bringing people in. You're spending the whole day there. It opens three hours before match day. You can have breweries. You're spending all your money there. So the revenue we'd be raking in is astronomical compared to the other teams that are just still old school football where it's pubs, 10 minutes till kickoff, better get in there. Everyone's going to be spending all that money. I don't think Levy is going to panic and make a massive long-term decision because of COVID right now. Like, he's not going to take a quick buck right now, basically, is what I'm saying. I think Levy's going to probably hold it out and say, all right, give it a year, another year or two. Maybe COVID goes away or maybe the vaccines work and we have full capacity in another year or two. And then that stadium is, again, a massive asset. So I think then he can be back in where he likes to be, which is like the power seat in a negotiating table. I think you have a good point there. And and I think we were certainly waiting for a good reason to, to bring that sponsor in. We didn't want to bring it in right away so we could get get our name on the stadium before we, we drew in the sponsor. But it kind of backfired because of COVID. But, John, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think Levy is, is a consummate uh, negotiator. And he also thinks outside of the box. I mean, we've only got to go back a couple of years to when he decided to have two different organizations sponsoring their shirts one for cup one for league um maybe there's an opportunity there if not if one company can't come up with all the money we can uh, we can share it i i'm not i'm not sure but i think we're going to leave it to levy who's going to do the best job for the club without any doubt yeah no that makes sense any other thoughts on this point and i think you have one more tommy Oh, Sam, you had something. Real yeah, fast. I mean, that's one thing, you know. I wouldn't mind uh, British Airways uh, sponsoring the stadium, but like John said, like, you know, airline business has been hit hard. I And I think from a publicity standpoint, they're in no position to pay so much money for naming rights when they have to lay off workers. Ixnay on that, I mean, I as much as I don't want it to be Amazon – they are unfortunately a company that has seen revenues grow during the pandemic. They could very well come in with whatever Levy is asking for or more. Uh, but I'm not making the decision on that. I can have my two cents and that's all. I could deal with Amazon if, if the money was right. Um, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And Anthony, just kind of what, what both of you guys just touched on the, to me, it's – and to all of us, it's always going to be White Hart Lane. I don't give a rat's ass what they call it. We're never going to be, like, calling it the Amazon Stadium. It's going to be White Hart Lane. But as long as it's not something embarrassing, 
It's like as long as it's not Tampax Stadium or something that other clubs can take the piss out of us. Like I, I just I don't care. As long as it's something Levy's gonna get us the best deal, we know that. As long as it's not something humiliating that I have to live with, like <laughs> like some woman's like like Victoria's Secret Stadium or something, like as long as it's not something that is gonna be making us a target for jokes. I can live with it. It's always going to be White Hart Lane dust. I don't really care. Yeah, so so what, so what you're saying is you don't want to be wearing a baseball hat with a panty liner on it. <laughs> <laughs> now, if they have, like, Victoria's Secret State a model day where they have models come in and interact <laughs> with the fans, I guess we could live with that. I'd be willing to settle there. <laughs> that, uh, I can my arm. <laughs> but, um, Tommy, uh, we have, you have a final point, don't you, for uh, back page update? Yeah, uh, everybody should know what this is, if you, for anybody that's listening. Uh, so in the never-ending transfer rumor, Will, uh, Manchester City has announced Ford Sergio Aguero will leave at the end of the season. The rumored replacement, of course, it's Harry Kane. Um, so my thoughts are this shouldn't be a surprise as the team isn't doing so well, not winning trophies, and, I mean, let's be realistic. Harry Kane is the biggest name English player in the league, so why not? Uh, Manchester City would be an obvious choice. A few things should be considered, though. Uh, the asking price by Daniel Levy, I think, was rumored to be $150 million. Because of the pandemic, Man City would probably not pay that. The other alternative, though, is Man City could get Erling Haaland for a lot cheaper. And as of now, he probably wouldn't get injured once a season, so the return would be greater. Um, another thing is Harry Kane does love the club. So as of right now, it's safe to assume he will leave the club when he wants to. So this means whether he wants to leave, he wants to leave because he wants to win trophies, or if he has a, a degree or disagreement with the club, that's beyond repair. So pretty much in my opinion, Harry Kane controls his own Spurs destiny. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with that entirely, that he does uh, control his own destiny. But as far as these rumors are concerned, I think they're absolute and complete crap. They're made up by the press just to publish in newspapers. I mean, any manager in the world, when asked would he like Harry Kane, would say yes. And so the next thing you've got is you've got, you know, the manager that Stockport County are interested in signing Kane because the Stockport manager said he'd like him. Um, and, and literally, it is as absurd as that. Um, and the fact that this continues to be churned on and on drives me crazy. Um, let the man play. Uh, I don't think there's any chance that he's going to leave. Um, unless there's something cataclysmic that occurs. Um, and I think that any any future rumours about him moving are, um, you know, they're scurrilous. They, they really are. They're not in the players' best interests. They're not in the club's best interests. And um, sorry, screw you um, journalists for even <laughs> for stirring this up. Well, John, I, I'm gonna, we're going to go to Lucas next, but I'm, I'm going to challenge you a little bit. In the, the the fact that I think te- teams do want to make a move on Harry Kane, but I think Levy's asking price at this this stage doesn't fit the COVID situation that that, that the world is in right now. Um, like I, 
I could see us like the same way that we sold Bill at one point when uh, when kind of like our squad was down on its luck and we've kind of hit that point now. Um, but with the, the the stadium situation, we kind of like I don't know. It's like uh, we put all of our chips at the wrong place and uh, we, we lost our bet, and now we're just trying to build it back up at this point. But I think there's a, a there's a case to be made that like. We would sell Harry if we could get the asking price that we have, but I don't think we're going to get the asking price that we have in this COVID economy. But Lucas, what are your thoughts? Uh, I think the, the 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 whole thing with City, I think, is an absolute. I just think it's nonsense. Um, yeah. Three reasons: age, injuries, English. Because he's English, homegrown, that's going to jack up the price immediately. His age, he's getting up towards the latter stages, like not saying he's on his way out, like what we thought Toby is, but, and then the other thing is injuries. Like, you know, that he's probably going to have at least one ankle injury per season. That's just standard. Um, So I I don't see city investing a massive amount like that when they could invest it in somebody younger and foreign. That's not English. Uh, And then the other thing in terms of John and uh, Tommy said it is you look at it's up to Kane. Whether Kane stays is going to be 100% up to him. And I think it's going to be, we don't know what's important to Harry. It's, I always kind of say it's trophies or legend. He can go be Gareth Bale at a Real Madrid. And you'll win some trophies, you'll make a lot of money. But is that what's important to him? Gareth Bale's not going to be remembered at Real Madrid as being like some kind of hero. They don't care. They'll forget about him within a decade. But if Harry Kane were to stay and break Greaves' record, win something special for us at Tottenham, he'll have statues. It could be named Harry Kane Stadium in 20 years, for all we know. So it's about what's important to Harry is here. I mean, Jesus Christ, we still talk about the 91 FA Cup team as if they're the biggest bunch of legends of all time. And that team finished 10th. So Harry could potentially be the greatest player to ever play at this historic English club have statues made of him and paintings hung throughout the concourses. Like, so it's going to be what's important to him. Just going and grabbing a couple trophies at Man City. Like, eh, I I, I don't know. It's, we, we have no idea what's important to Harry, but that's going to be the decision is all on him. I, I agree. I agree with both of your points, Tommy and Lucas on that, but let's go back to John. Yeah. Um, it also comes to the point of how much money's enough. You know, he's currently making about five million pounds a year, um, six million dollars a year. Um, I'm sure that he hasn't got a budget that says, "Oh, I'm getting stretched on my budget." You know, six million dollars. Uh, I'm not able to go on the vacations I want to go on. I'm not able to fly my private jet as much as I'd like to. And I really need um, $12 million a year in order to establish that, and that's what I'm going for. Um, He's making a bucket load of money, a shed load. And, yes, I mean, you look at some of the sums that, I mean, what Gareth Bale got paid and is still getting paid um, is is astronomical. But I'd like, I, I think that those days are over because the clubs that have done that haven't done too well out of it. And, and he's making a fabulous amount of money and he's enjoying playing for the club. And I think that uh, in 
in in a nicer world, in a in a non-materialistic world that I would like to live in, um, job satisfaction can can be more important than money. And I think he's uh, he's enjoying being that star at Tottenham, and uh, I think he'll continue to do so. I just uh, I think he's one of ours and uh, will remain so. I certainly hope so. I, I think you're right, John, but uh, and I think this is all moot point, but. I do think that Levy would be willing to sign him if that was uh, if there was to be a gain for the club uh, and they felt like it was time to cast chips in. But uh, Lucas, yeah, I just quickly want to touch on what John said there with enjoying it. Um, that's something that we can't we, we you can't really put a price on. Um, I think that with like perfect example with using Madrid again would be uh, Zinedine, like the guy was there. He's their manager, winning them Champions Leagues, and still that next season, people are calling for his head. And if you look at Harry Kane at Spurs, Harry could go start the 2021-22 season with 30 straight games without scoring a goal. And we're going to be singing his name. We're going to be wearing his shirts. We're going to be talking about him like he's the greatest thing ever, because he is. And he'll always be special, and he'll be supported and appreciated and Harry's got a family. He lives here with three young kids now. I, I don't know if, again, it's all back to his values. What does he value? To me, like John said, in the perfect world, I would think that playing for Spurs would be enough. Um, the making five million a year or ten million a year isn't that big of a difference when you're that rich and you're making that money. And that's not even taking account like adverts or other like kind of. Uh, like sponsorship deals or stuff like that. But he can, and again, when he retires, he can get a seat on any like Sky Sports or whatever he wants or some kind of job. Like he's taken care of for life. So I could realistically, I think the whole city thing is a rumor that's not worth itself. To your your point, Lucas, like he seems happy. He seems like a simple person, too. He doesn't seem like he has a lot of wants. Like, I've met his brother at, at New York Spurs. Like, like it just seems like a, a couple of normal blokes. He's got a, like a very normal wife. Like, he, he, he didn't, like, go out and marry a supermodel or something like that just on the base name of Harry Kane. He doesn't seem like he has those, like, uh, huge wants. It does seem like the media just drumming up the story, and I don't think that this would be the him moving. I just think that that um, we're going to have to go through a painful rebuild at some point, and I hope that that's not on the back of like selling Harry Kane, and then we have to start from scratch the same way that we did it with Gareth Bale. That's that's my biggest fear, but I I hope you guys are all right <laughs> that, that he's sticking around. <laughs> this is all bullshit. Um, any final thoughts on that before we t- talk about the Manchester United preview that we have coming up? I think let's move along to the preview. So, uh, um, so this uh, this upcoming Sunday, so now that we're on one match a week, uh, um, we don't have to play until this upcoming Sunday, April 11th, uh, at t- 10 a.m. here in Chicago, and we take on uh, Manchester. It's actually, at 10:30, I thought. Uh, did I say 10 a.m.? I said 10.30. Okay, 10.30, I'm sorry. 10 yeah, 30, sorry to interrupt. 10.30 a.m. So currently, uh, Manchester United sits in second place in the league with 60 points, 17 wins, 9 draws, and 4 losses. 
Most recently, they had a 2-1 win this uh, past Sunday to Brighton. Um, prior to that, they beat Leicester, lost to Milan, beat West Ham, and drew Milan. Um, but they did advance in that um, um, Europa League competition. Um, uh, they do have a match midweek prior to playing us on Thursday, April 8th, that we do not have uh, since they have to take on Granada away um, to, to try and um, continue their run at the Europa League. Um, their top goal scorer and their top uh, assist man are going to be repeat names in this uh, table. So their top goal scorer is Bruno Fernandez with 16. Marcus Radf- Rashford is behind him with 10. Fernandez is uh, the top assist man with uh, 11. Uh, Marcus Rashford is behind him with 7. Top rated player is Fernandez with 7.76. Rashford is behind him with 7.27. Other people that appear in the table are Cavani, Luke Shaw, and Juan Basaka. But uh, the last five times we've faced them, most recently was the 6-1 win that we'll all remember earlier this season when I think we were pretty high on Spurs, like a very different time for us. And for them at that point when they were kind of on a low. Prior to that, in June 2020, we drew them 1-1. December 2019, we lost uh, 2-1. We lost them 1-0 in January 2019. And we beat them 3-0 in August 2018. These were all Premier League matches. Um, How do you guys feel about going into this match against... Manchester United. Uh, let's uh, start with uh, Tommy first. Uh, personally, I'm nervous. I mean, we could have had a midweek game if we didn't fuck it up. But so I guess that extra wear and tear on the players, or less wear and tear, would help. But I mean, they seem pretty apathetic, so I don't think it matters in that aspect. Um, I know I sound depressed and defeated, but. Unfortunately, that's what I'm feeling right now. Um, I mean, like how you're saying, Anthony, like they've been undefeated in their last five Premier League games. They got a good run going on. It's they lost to Leicester, didn't they? That wasn't the that's FA Cup. Oh, that was FA Cup. Sorry, yeah, you're right. Um, so because of that, I'm, I'm very wary. Jose knows the squad very well, but. As I alluded to, are the players are going to be up for it? I that remains to be seen. Uh, I mean, in terms of a lineup, I'm, even if we have the power lineup where we have everybody, I'm like the lack of caring and putting effort in. You know that that concerns me. Um, my only hope right now is I hope Roden starts. I think he's been doing well. Let's ride that wave out, build for the future, as I said previously. Um, Other than that, I think a lot of the squad speaks for itself on paper, but, I mean, Josie's not happy right now, so we'll see what he does, I guess. Okay, uh, I think, uh, John, you're next. Yeah, I'm like Tommy. I'm a bit nervous about this game, but I think it's... it all comes down to which Spurs team is going to show up. Um, there have been times when this squad has been sensational and there's been times when this squad has played like 
They didn't even know each other and don't know what a ball looks like. Um, so I think it's a very difficult one to predict. Um, Manchester United are playing better than we are, more consistent than we are right now. I don't think they're necessarily a better team, but they are certainly being more consistent. Um, so it's a, it, it's a very, very hard one to predict, I think. And, um, you know, if the right team turns up, we could beat them 3-1. And if the wrong team turns up, we could lose 3-1. One of their four losses is us. That's something, right, uh, Lucas? Uh, yeah, to touch on basically, John and Tommy summed up a lot of my feeling. It's we just don't know. We're capable of going out and beating anyone 4-1. Um, I just I don't have the confidence that we'll turn up for this game because they haven't showed me in the last few weeks that they'll that they can turn up for someone like Ben United. Uh, a, a lot of us is a lot of the thought is that oh well you know we'll we'll turn up because it's Man United at home. But I'm like well you would think that we would have turned up for Arsenal away or the second leg of Zagreb or we would have turned up and realized the opportunity that was yesterday. Um, so they haven't done anything since playing Palace. Like These players haven't shown me anything that says they're capable of going and turning up for this game. But at the same time, I know we're going to have a fully fit or as close as we are to fully fit roster. Like The whole squad's going to be up for selection. Um, it's I, like I think or like I said earlier, I think this is going to be very telling about Jose is who he selects for this one because we can't say, ah, they just played three international games or whatever. I think we'll see a lot from who he selects on Sunday. But like John said, it's very difficult to predict because I just, I don't know who's going to turn up. Well, and to your point, like, I think it's a good time to talk about team selection, but let's go to a question that we have from Peter on this. So, uh, Tommy, do you have a, uh... Uh, Peter's question queued up. Yes, I do. Uh, will Jose come down from his ivory tower long enough to select either Toby or Ori against Man U? Um, and was their latest absence simply down to international minutes or another sign that both players won't be at the club next season, assuming Mourinho says? says. Um, just one thing I wanted to point out. So, Jose did talk about it. Um, John talked about it as well, but the gist of it was uh, here it is. Um, so the question was: um, You started the same with the same team against Villa. Um, what was the thinking behind the surge and Toby from the squad not selected? Okay, he's not happy. And the person said, "Can you say why?" He's like, "Yeah, I can." They came to training just yesterday, which would have been Friday or Saturday. Um, John already contradicted that. Joe actually brought that up in our chat, um, saying the same thing. So, oh, and actually another thing he said, uh, so the person asking the question, so they weren't fit. He did say they were fit, but they report for training only yesterday, and they went for their national teams and didn't make the COVID test on time to be in training on Thursday, not even on Friday. They only came in yesterday, so that means Saturday. But did we lose matches with them or with them? we were a perfect team defensively. So yeah, fun times. Yeah. um, Peter, I think to your point, like um, I hope um, 
after this result that if our plan was to like Aria and Toby are gone, we have to see what we have moving forward. Um, when we're making a top four run, which is I think think was especially before this week and was a legitimate run, um, uh, the, the case could be argued that yes, we we could have forced ourselves back into that top four conversation with a win and we didn't decide to go with them. Um, I have to hope that it has to do with how much they played. And I know Aria, I think he played three matches with, uh, uh, for the African cups of uh, nation. Like, Ivory coast. I, I'm sorry. It was the African cups of nations. It was Ivory coast. This is, Oh, I didn't even know. Yeah. That. Yeah. No, he was playing African cup of nation matches. Um, but yeah, it, it was for Ivory Coast. Um, he, uh, I believe, he played three. He did have one stellar performance, but I have to think that those minutes had to contribute with it, to him not being selected with this one. I mean, yes, Tanganga had a decent performance against Villa, but um, we we saw the holes in this match for sure. That like you know he made a couple of uh, of, of Bad strategic errors. He got beat a couple times that that showed that like I'd rather see him as center back still. Um, I don't know why we're making him right back, but I would rather have him as right back than Doherty. I mean, obviously we've all made that decision. Um, it would have been nice to see Rea, but I think he just wasn't healthy. He or wasn't ready. He wasn't. He wasn't fit after three like all, all the play in international and then Toby played two matches, which for his age is a lot. Um, but the fact that Jose decided to attack Toby afterwards and suggest that he uh, um, wasn't in training in time when we know he was that that's a little concerning. Um, so I don't know. It's t- a tough question to answer, but a good question, Peter, let's go to Lucas next. Um, I think it is, it, it is just a matter of, Fitness. I don't think we need to read in to Serge or Toby more than like just like you said that he played three straight games in about seven days for Ivory Coast, and I think that was the reason. Um, I think if we wanted to read or try and like look at signals, like oh maybe Serge has upset him or something, you got to just look at the Chelsea game. Wasn't it uh, Chelsea that he like left at halftime or something, or he got pulled and then? He got taken off and then left the stadium. Well, yeah. after that happened, after that happened, he started the next three matches. So if that wasn't something that was enough to actually get him a routine spot up. on the bench, yeah. So it, it there there can't be something Serge has done in the last couple of weeks that is worse than leaving the stadium at halftime. So I uh, think that I think that like it it is just about fitness right now, and I think we will see a pretty predictable selection against United. I think we'll see Serge, Regulon, hopefully Toby and Rodon. I think we'll see Ndombele, Hoybier, uh, probably Lucas, maybe Lestelso. But I think the team, Sun, Kane, they'll be up top. But, like, it's – again, it's about who – do they turn up? Do that group of guys turn up? And we know that United has no reason to come in and – they're going to have no fear when they're playing us. And I'm sorry to keep taking it back to fear – but United has no reason to fear going to White Hart Lane. Um, are we going to turn up against United and show them this like almighty respect like we did against Arsenal, where we just bowed down to them? Or are we going to try and actually give them a game and take it to them like we did at Old Trafford? 
And everyone that will, everyone at that first game at Old Trafford will say, ah, well, the 6-1 was just about that uh, red card that they got. And that's true. But if you take away that red card, we still win that game 4-1 probably. Like, we were absolutely bossing that game because we were going at them. And I think, uh, ironically, I think the Sanchez penalty in the first 30 seconds actually forced us to go play that game. But if we can go at, actually take it to them and show up without fear and go at this team, like treat them like they're a palace or whoever, um, then, uh, yeah, I think we have a great shot at winning this. But if we show them this fear like we showed Arsenal and like Liverpool or Chelsea when they played at White Hart Lane, I think it's going to be a long 90 minutes. Well, in, in that 6-1, it was like uh, we, we had become an attacking side. And then uh, um, we had the West Ham result after that, that like uh, all of a sudden we shut that down and became a descent, defensive side. And yeah. Jose says that's not a strategy, but it certainly feels that way, the way it happened. And, and yeah, are we going to come out and be that team that we were at the start of the season? Um with everybody back healthy, which it looks like for the most part, we're back healthy. Um, uh, other than Davies and uh, who else was it? But uh, for the majority of the people, like I think I, uh, we're a healthy squad. Is it, what team are we going to get is the question. And like uh, Sam, I'll give you final thoughts before we go to predictions. Um, well, it's like uh, you guys said, I'm, I can't necessarily say I'm nervous at this game about this game because I just don't expect us to play well. Um, uh, to be honest, like you know, we haven't shown up when we've needed to show up um, ever since uh, the seemingly since the the beginning of the new year. And you know, Manchester United—they're playing a lot better. It's not like they, they're really afraid of us. I mean, I think Fernandez right now is probably the best player in the league um, outside of Harry Kane, of course. Um, they, they're they a solid attacking side, uh, but at the same time, if if we drop points here, um, three points, I, I'm, I'm not going to be too – I'm not necessarily going to be disappointed because at this point, you know, I'm I'm expecting us to lose, unfortunately. And it sucks I'm, I'm that way, but at the same time, i got to be honest. Well, well, I'll let you go with your prediction first, then. Uh, so you're predicting a loss? Yeah, I, I'm predicting a 3-1 loss. I think um, um, they're going to show up and have a good day with us. They're going to have a day with our defense, no matter who's playing back there. Um, I'm going to give a, of course, goal to Harry Kane. I think we get it on a penalty. And, um, and uh, I think Bruno Fernandez has two. Marcus Rashford has another one. Okay. Uh, Tommy. Okay. So I was actually going to predict Three one as well. Um, John alluded to it as well. Who's going to show up? So, will the real Spurs please stand up? Please stand up. Um, but I'm going to say we're going to lose as well. One to two or two one, and I'll say Kane scores. Okay, uh, Lucas. Uh, well, Sam kind of touched on it there with the penalty. Like we know 
it's a Manchester United match, so they will get a penalty at some point. But uh, I'm actually going to have the flip result. I think we're going to win 3-1. Um, I think that the reason that this hope, I don't even want to call it hope because I think it's just going to be, end up just dragging out the inevitable. I think we're going to win because it will get us back into that top four conversation. So it'll just prolong the heartbreak that's coming. Um, it just doesn't make a lot of sense, but I think we'll turn up for this one and we'll beat them three, one, and we'll be talking about how great we are and the belief will be back and then we'll find a way to, Go ahead and throw that away. But, yeah, I think we're going to win 3-1. I think they're going to get their obligatory penalty. Uh, but, yeah, we'll do them 3-1, Kane, Son, and Bale. All hope, score. Hope and pain is your prediction. Yeah, exactly. Like, what would it be with Spurs not offering us more hope? Like, we just dropped points at Newcastle, and then we smashed United or something, and all of a sudden we're all back on the back on the belief train just for them to rip it out of our hearts in a couple months. So, yeah, 3-1. Heart. Okay, John? Well, I think it's interesting that everybody so far has picked a 3-1 scoreline because, as I said a few minutes ago, we're either going to win 3-1 or lose 3-1, depending on who shows <laughs> up. Um, but um, I'm not convinced. I'd love to believe you, Lucas. I really would. Um, but I've been feeling a bit down lately about their performances. So I'm going to go with a two-all draw. Goals by Kane and Bale. I like it. Um, I I was going to say 2-0 draw before you said it, and I, uh, I'm i going to stick with it. I'm going to say I, I really feel like the best result that we could get out of this would be a draw, and that's probably what we'll get. It'll just be like kicking the can down the road, and and we still got the same problems that are not going away. Um, but it's a draw and it's, uh, you can't argue with a draw against Manchester United. Um, I'm going to give a goal to Kane, of course, and I am going to give a bit more of an oddball goal. I think Regulon gets a goal. Like he hasn't had one in a while, but I think he'll, he'll play. And I think, uh, after a mediocre performance, uh, against Newcastle, Maybe we see a good performance against him here. And and maybe we have a good, exciting match that makes us feel a little bit better coming out of it, even though it's a draw. That's kind of my prediction. Um, but any final thoughts before we wrap up the podcast today? Nope. Uh, I think everybody's good. Well, it, it's been... Hey, uh, oh, actually, I got one thing. Sam, go ahead. Uh, just wanted to... Um, uh, with... Uh, Sorry, finding my words again. I wish a very happy birthday to um, uh, another regular podcast regular, uh, Nathan DePaul. Just wanted to give him a shout out there. Yeah, let's not sing. <laughs> yeah, we won't sing happy birthday to him, but no, no. good shout. Like, yeah, it's his birthday today. Like, I, I was wondering why he didn't want to be on the podcast, and then I realized, oh, it's his birthday when I saw it pop up on Facebook. So I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. Or I was going to say the championship game, which Baylor are winning by 14 now if if nobody, if you're not paying attention. Don't worry, I'm following it. But if anyone else, I got some of us have money on that game. Go on, Baylor. Oh, so I I was just going to say real quick, Anthony, the thing about Nate's birthday is I always know when Nate's birthday is 
because it's the anniversary of the Swansea three one away. Oh my yeah, my favorite away game ever. It's like the eighty seventh minute. We're down one nil. Oh, end up winning three one. I I remember that too because I predicted the correct score line and scores too. Janssen was a little back heel flick. Like, ooh, that was someday. That, wow. To pick out a, a day during that time period that was that, that great. That, good shout. Good shout. But I think that about wraps up the podcast. So thanks so much to guys for being on. Thanks to Tommy, Sam, John, and Luke. Um, uh, thank, thanks to Tommy for editing and sound tonight. Charlie for the music. Kevin for social media. It's Tommy for back page update. John for lone player update. Lucas for Luke Flocks. Uh, and Kimberly for the logo. And as always, Atlantic Bar and Grill. We're happy to be back there watching matches. Uh, and hopefully we'll be recording there next season. Um, hit the subscribe button and write us a review on iTunes if you like our podcast. Check us out uh, on Twitter and Facebook at Four Star Spurs. And uh, by the way, we're on both Spotify and Stitcher right now, so definitely hit us up there. Um, check us out on our website at fourstarspurs.com. Come on, you Spurs.